Hey guys, welcome to the Thrive Forever Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Nixon, and I am beyond excited today because I've got a super special guest, a super great friend of mine, my brother, my buddy. Um, I can't even use enough adjectives to describe the guy. You're going to get into it. You'll, you'll get a feel for our connection and our relationship the more we talk. But just let me introduce him. His name is Andrew Schultz. He is a yoga master. He teaches yoga in Solana Beach, Carmel Valley, and Point Loma at Yoga 6. Um, Andrew would be the equivalent. So let's just say that yoga was like karate or Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something of that nature. Andrew would be like a quadruple black belt um, dojo master. The, um, he'd be the Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid <laughs> type of yoga instructor. I can't say enough things about him. And brother, I'm just so happy to have you on the show. How you doing? I'm doing awesome, my man. That was a hell of an introduction. Well, you know what? I couldn't <laughs> I couldn't think of enough nice things to say about you. And I probably undersold you a little bit. So Oh man, that was beautiful. Yeah. So man, thank you so much for doing this, man. So guys, just so you know, Andrew and I have we got connected through the Lululemon connection. Um, as you guys know, I'm the Lululemon ambassador. And Andrew was actually in here in Palm Desert at my local store. And he was one of the guys responsible for actually bringing me into the Lululemon family, um, which is kind of how our relationship started. I mean, I don't even remember how it went down, but I remember you invited me to lunch one day um, and we had a great chat and then it was kind of downhill from there. Yeah. And uh, we asked you to be our Lululemon ambassador last uh, December at your holiday party, True. your Thrive Thankful. Right. And then we started your ambassadorship um, at the beginning of the year. And yeah, it, that's how the journey started. And then I started with your Thrive uh, Fit and Thrive Tribe last April. Yep. And that's kind of when my life started to skyrocket. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, Andrew is a member, is a current member of my Thrive Forever Fit program. And just so you guys know, like Andrew doesn't need to lose any weight. Like Andrew didn't join my program because he is in, he's in need of weight loss advice. And so I just want you guys to hear this so you understand that it's way more than that. Like we focus on nutrition, yes, fitness, yes, but mindset primarily and growth and personal development and just you being your absolute best human being. And that's really where what Andrew gravitated towards inside of the program. And man, I've, I've watched your life over the last, I mean, I don't even know if it's a year or whatever it is, but I've watched your life just blossom and and grow into into something surely amazing and i'm super proud of you brother well i i can't thank you enough and you know every time you and i talk there's not many people that um vibrate at a higher frequency than me and you, <laughs> you're one of them well, and so when we talk the vibration frequency is really high and it just it it um it touches my soul man it just not many people in my life who i can talk to just raise me up and, and you're one of those people and your friendship, your mentorship, um, what you do for me and so many others. But, you know, in particular, when I started with you in April, you know, I started jotting down my goals and, you know, my 90 day outcomes, what I wanted to achieve over the next three months. And you and I sat down at Bristol farms and I showed you kind of my, um, verbal diarrhea, if you will and put it down on paper and just you helped me sort through it and you know here i am in san diego um you know five months later 
and it's um or eight months later and so it's been a heck of a journey um you know i'm looking out my window right now and this is everything i, I wanted um and it's thanks to you and helping kind of pull that out of me and be the best version of myself being able to touch and inspire so many others like you do um yeah, it's just your friendship and what you mean to me and the amount of love I have for you. It's, um, it's priceless. Dude. I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. Um, that, you know, means the world to me. And I want you guys listening and understand that this, this whole podcast is not going to be about Andrew and I just talking about our, our bond and our brotherhood and everything like that. What we're about to get into, what we're about to talk about is how someone can go from, you know, what would be deemed by, by some people as a life of destruction, you know, as you've described it, Andrew, to a life of destiny and to a life of, of abundance and overcoming adversity, getting through things in life. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about, because I want people to understand that no matter where you are, you can continue to grow if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to put yourself out there and you're willing to you know, do the dirty work and do the hard stuff. Like you can get anywhere you want to go in life. And so I'm going to let you kind of give us just that, that recap, Andrew, because I, I don't, I don't know the Andrew that you talk about, um, you know, pre um, rehab and pre all of that. And I, I hear you describe this guy and I can't even, I don't, <laughs> I don't see that. I don't, I can't imagine that. I was even thinking the other day, like, would I be friends with that Andrew? <laughs> like, would I even like that guy? Like, I don't know. Like, I mean, would I? Would I like that dude? Probably not. We we would not be vibrating at the same frequency. No. Uh, more than three years ago. Okay. And so, you know, I was thinking about that today. It's like, it's like um, two separate lives. And uh, for the audience, you know, I just celebrated three years of sobriety. Um, I went to Betty Ford Center on April 30th, 2015. My family did an intervention for my drug and alcohol uh, downward spiral um, in my addiction. And, you know, back up to 2011, I was the vice president of one of the biggest corporations in North America. I had the corner office. I had the BMW 5 Series. I had the $800,000 house in uh, Del Mar. Um, season tickets to the Chargers, flying first class all over the country, playing golf at the nicest golf courses. And I thought that was what success looked like. And I was married. I got married and, you know, that's the American dream or so I thought. And, and you know, living this life of not me, not authentic, not knowing who I was, but trying to be somebody other people wanted me to be. Let's hit, let me hit the pause button right there really quick. Cause everything you just described is what, you know, on paper, everybody would say, well, that's what I want. Like, that sounds amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. Let me ask you this. Like, could you have had that same life without the addiction? I mean, how do those two things go hand in hand? And, and I'm asking, I'm asking because I really want to know the answer and I'm yep. asking because I think that's a great, I think that's a great picture to paint for people because, you know, are the two things separate, Andrew? Are they together? Like, was it a one piece? Like, walk me through that. Well, for me, um, you know, I moved out to San Diego after college in 2002 and then, you know, started working and worked my way up. Um, and, you know, by 2011, I had worked my way up to 
um, to be an executive at a huge company. And, you know, I kept wanting more and more and more. Okay. And I felt, I felt pressure to do more and more and more. All right. Let's stop really quick. You felt pressure from yourself or from other people or from society or like what, cause I think everybody, and the reason I'm pausing you here is because I think we all feel pressure from different areas in our life. And I want to make sure that we get clarity here so that we can help people if they're feeling pressure, we can give this them some alternatives to overcome that. Like how would the Andrew of today handle that same pressure? So what kind of pressure were you feeling? Well, I would say all three pressure from self pressure from others and pressure from society. I think it was a, a perfect mix. And I, you know, not knowing who I was, not having tools to cope um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't do yoga. I didn't have meditation. I didn't have your program. And I, you know, for, to, to, to manage the stress when I came home at night, I would self-medicate. Um, you know, I started taking Adderall and abusing Adderall because I was staying up late, working later. Um, and it was kind of just this slippery slope that, you know, once I started doing that, there was just, I didn't have a healthy outlet or something to grab onto to, or something to step back and say, okay, what, what's my life look like right now? Is this success? But I think the biggest problem was I didn't know who I was and I'd been stuffing things down so long, you know, going back to my childhood of things that were unresolved yeah. and, and those unresolved issues and traumas and things that um, I'd pushed down, you know, they came out in other ways, unhealthy ways. And with all that stuff I had going on, trying to juggle these things, um, you know, it just slowly, I started dropping one ball at a time until, you know, I didn't have any other balls to, to, to balance. Let's, let's play the hypothetical game really quick. So let's just say you've got that same exact life, the same, everything you described, but you had yoga and you had meditation and you have the tools that you had today. Do we have, is there a different outcome? Absolutely. And I think to get, if, well, it's hard to say because those three things that you just mentioned, um, I had to go to a place to like, to, to rehab. I had to go to, to see what my truth was. So it's hard to answer that question hypothetically because when my, when I went to Betty Ford, um, I had lost everything and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I got to start a new life from literally my yoga mat up. Yeah. And and I just, I could create a life of somebody who I knew and I, I dealt slowly, but surely I started dealing with things that I had never dealt with for 35 years. I had secrets that I didn't, didn't tell anybody. I had these things that happened that were pretty traumatic that were unresolved. And and I had to resolve those one at a time to finally understand who I was and to, to understand what my purpose is here on earth, what I'm supposed to be doing. And I didn't have that purpose before. And so hypothetically, I don't know if I would have got through it because I had to hit rock bottom to understand and get me to where I am today. So does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes, it makes 100% sense. But let's, let's say we've got somebody listening right now that is in that same exact scenario. And they don't necessarily, because here's, I'm a believer that success leaves clues, right? I'm a believer that if we 
want to be somewhere in life, there's probably somebody who's done it before us. Yeah. If we can learn from those, their mistakes and their successes and everything. Do you think everybody in that same scenario has to hit rock bottom? Or do you believe that if someone like a mentor, a coach, a therapist, a doc, whatever, whatever it may be, uh, someone in your circle of success has come to you and, and let's just say you were able to listen and you were able to, you know, take it all in and start to shift your ways of, of doing things. Do you think it would, it would have to be a necessity to hit rock bottom? Because you always hear about that. Some people say, well, I had to hit rock bottom. And then some people don't like, how do you think that works? That's a great question. And um, no, people don't have to hit the rock bottom that I hit. In fact, you bring up a great point because there was many efforts going back to 2012 you know, this is three years before I finally hit that rock bottom. There was people who reached out to try to help. There was family interventions that um, I didn't, I wasn't ready and I kind of squirmed out of. There was many times before 2015 that people tried to help me that I didn't accept their help, okay. that people could easily latch on to that help and accept it. But in my scenario, I just had to go down um, a little bit further um, but other people can latch onto that help and just accept it. And unfortunately, and fortunately, you know, the, the, the gift of desperation was 2015. Yeah. What do you think? What, what do you, why do you think you didn't latch onto it? Like, what do you think that missing link was? I mean, I, I think I, I, have, I have an answer. I think I know what it is, but I'd like to hear what you, what was it? Like, why did, why were you resistant to the help? Fear. Okay. Yeah. And I was going to say my, I was thinking ego and I, you know, you know how I always say like, you know, your fear lies within your ego. So I think that's the same answer. Um, yes. You know, cause I mean, they both are, you know, they're, they're the evil stepbrother, you know, fear and ego. So, yeah. And so what was it fear of Andrew? Was it fear of disappointment? Was it fear of failure? Was it fear of, of just, of what, what was it? Fear of acknowledging the truth, fear of, finding out who I really am mm -hmm. and that fear of if I find out who I really am, what's that life going to look like? And am I going to lose everything I have? Um, because I have a lot of stuff. And so it was a fear of kind of uh, a blend of things. And, you know, I had this life I perceived as my own, who I was supposed to be. And, you know, the story I tell myself to myself about myself, it was so strong that I couldn't, I couldn't listen to anything that would disrupt my story because I had put and reinforced day after day for so long, as you know, because you talk about these things, um, you know, programmed into my computer, if you will, so many things that were not true to myself that I was telling myself that I couldn't disrupt that. I couldn't, I, I couldn't disrupt the identity that I had built up for so long. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the addiction thing for, for a second. And I, I, these are really honest, legitimate questions coming from like a place of the unknown, because I, I really, truly want, want to know your perspective on it. Like, as far as like, do you consider yourself an addict or do you consider yourself a addiction to be a part of the process that got you to where you are today? Because I don't know. I don't know if those are two different things. I don't know if they're the same thing. I really don't know. Like, what do you what do you, how would you describe that? Um, I think addiction is um, 
to, to label it, I am in recovery. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not recovered because it's an active every day. It takes action to stay in recovery. Um, I'm never recovered, but it is a disease that has a solution that the solution that I put into effect and, and work on every day keeps me in recovery. And I can, if I, as long as I keep doing those things that they teach us and people for so many years have done to get through the same disease that they have, um, I'll, I'll keep that at bay, but I'm never recovered because it's, it's a program that requires massive action every day. Um, so it's, it's an, it's addiction. That's the disease that I have. And it was, it's in my family. It's in my family genes. My father has it. Um, his father has it. And so these are all things I learned, you know, when I went to treatment and understood, here's the best part. I understood for the first time in my life why I am the way I am and to go back and to, to see things that happened when I was a child and the behaviors and things that happened that I reinforced all those years to be able to see it for what it was and to see the truth of why I am the way I am. It, it, it was so, um, it felt so good because, you know, for all those years, I, I, I couldn't tell you why I was the way I was. I didn't even want to look at it. So, but to answer your question, I am in recovery. I am, uh, I have a disease of addiction and I want things externally, third party, whether it's, and it's not just alcohol, it's not drugs, it's shopping, it's relationships, it's sex, it's gambling. It's, I want something outside of myself to fill the huge God-sized hole inside. And I learned all these things over the last couple of years. And now I have everything I need within. And that's what I told you last week. Um, you know, when I accepted my three-year sobriety um, and I had a chip in one hand for three years and I had a handwritten note from one of my yoga students that said, thanks for making us students the beneficiaries of your journey. For sure. That's, that's, so all, awesome. that's all I need. Yeah, that's so cool. Man, well, again, congratulations on the three years, man. That is unbelievably, you know, a great um, accomplishment. And like I said, like, I don't know you as any other person than you are today or, you know, that I met, you know, all those months ago. So these, you know, this is really a, a you know, a good conversation for, I think for a lot of people to have, because, you know, you a lot of people will come into your life and you will, you know, you know them from the moment that you met them. You know what I mean? Yep. But I can't, I can't imagine you being any other way. So my, I guess my point is, and my, my thought process is that this has always been in you. Like you've always had this greatness and this goodness in you. You just had to uncover it and you had to unpack a whole lot of shit in order to get to it. And I mean, this sounds like the craziest thing anybody's probably ever said, but I mean, I got to be thankful for your addiction because if I, if we didn't have that, I wouldn't have you as who you are today in the world. And I think that you are meant to do great things. And so that might be the dumbest and the, the craziest thing somebody's ever said, but I mean, I, I, that just came out of my mouth. So, well, I, I would say this, I don't regret anything that's happened in my life. I don't wish anything was different because I'm exactly right now today, right where I'm supposed to be on this spiritual journey, 
you know, seeking and, and trying to make a difference and having a, a purposeful life that has meaning. Um, and I think addiction every day because it got me to where I am today that, um, in, in the, 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 the spiritual journey I'm on is still so new. And the most exciting part is every day I, you know, I try to live one day at a time and pack as much as I can today to try to be the light and the love and to spread that as a conduit every day. That's my purpose. And tomorrow is going to be a little bit more awesome than today because I keep doing the things that you have taught us to do via the thrive three, which is three things I'm grateful for every morning, three action steps. I'm going to take that moves me closer to my goals and then three people to reach out and encourage via a text message or a phone call and show them some love. And these are all things that I never used to do. They weren't introduced to me. And now I can share those tools with not only people in recovery, but people in all walks of life. And that's the best part. You know, I'm able to have a platform when I teach yoga, you know, to share my experience, strength and hope. And I'm very vulnerable and I'm truthful with them. And I think that gives me a little street cred because that rawness and connection I build with those students, and then they can be vulnerable and raw with me and all their feedback. You know, so many times they come up to me afterwards, they're in recovery. They have loved ones that are in recovery. They need some help with how to deal with the loved one and I'm able to help because I put it out there into the universe and, you know, to speak my truth, you know, just like we're doing on this call right now, it, it didn't happen before. Now, you know, you're a perfect example of turning tragedy, you know, let's, I mean, I'm going to use the word tragedy, you know, pretty broadly there, but you're a person, you're a perfect example of turning tragedy into triumph. I mean, you took a, a really crappy situation and you have manifested it into a purposeful thing in life. And this is really what I believe life is all about. I always have, you know, I always say this, like really bad shit happens to really good people. And if we will start to look at those things and say, listen, like I can take this tragedy or this bad adversity that happened to me and I can like now use it to make the world a better place. I mean, I think that is the, one of the greatest gifts that, that we can give ourselves and give the world. And I couldn't agree more. My, for me, speaking personally, my greatest struggle and biggest challenge is now my biggest asset and greatest tool that I get to share with others. Yeah. And it's, it's not a coincidence. And to use it, take it from a negative and turn it into a positive, that's what this whole thing's about. We're all on this journey together. We all want to have a life that is purposeful and we make a difference and help others because we're, we're all just trying to make our lives better one day at a time. And, you know, by, by having these calls, by doing what you're doing, um, I see what you're doing and I'm trying to replicate and, and make a difference every day. Um, but yeah, my life has purpose now and it's easy to play. It would be easy to play the victim and why me, why me? Um, but it goes back to, you know, what you taught us, the thrive three, the daily journaling, prayer and meditation, making my bed before I do anything else. These are things that, as you tell us, Jay, to take massive action every day, it's not one thing, it's everything. 
And that's the biggest thing I've learned that I try to help others understand and lead by example, not by words. Love that, man. I mean, you and I, you and I've had this conversation before, but I got to give a talk um, not too long ago to a giant group of guys. And, you know, anytime you're talking to guys, it can be a little bit weird. So if there's any dudes listening, I want you to hear this. And so what I believe and what Andrew exhibits in his life is what like the, the new modern man of today needs to be and must be and must possess. I think we have to have three traits that Andrew, you possess. And I, and I love you for these and I'm proud of you for these. Um, the first one is self-awareness. And I think you are one of the most self-aware people that I know at this stage. And it's probably because what you've gone through and all the work you've done. Number two is vulnerability. Um, you're extremely vulnerable. And you and I both um, have the same belief system around that, that vulnerability equals strength and not weakness. And the last one is empathy. And what empathy is, it is the ability to understand someone else's position without judgment. And that last piece is really crucial, like that without judgment piece. And so as men, if we could start to implement those three things into our daily life, which I think you're, the reason I brought these up is when you were talking, I'm like, he's exhibiting even right now on this call, being unbelievably vulnerable, unbelievably self-aware and, and having empathy for his own situation without judging himself and or others for, for getting you here, which I think is, is unbelievably commendable. And I, and I just wanted to acknowledge you for that and say that I think that's one of your greatest gifts is having those three skill sets, man. Well, I appreciate it. And I know you and I share a love for Brene Brown and she talks about what you just said, the vulnerability piece and how, you know, it's strength and she uses the man in the arena quote who that you and I both love. And, you know, what you and I are doing is we're in the arena getting dirty, getting our ass kicked every day and getting back up and doing it again and again and again. And I think our circle of success, we don't allow the people in the bleachers and in the stands who just talk and point fingers and are, are, don't get in the arena with us. You know, that's the, those are the people I disassociate with. I don't want that around because I need people who vibrate at a high frequency, inspire me to do better, hold me accountable. And I think that's something, you know, one of the biggest things I've learned from you. Um, let's let's not, talk about that really quick. I think people may not understand what, you're, what you mean. And I think it's so important that I don't want to glaze over it. So when Andrew says the word circle of success, I have a belief system that, you know, it's like the Jim Rohn quote, you're only as successful as the five people that you hang around the most. Well, I, I take that a step further. And I believe that we all have a circle of success. And those are the people that are in our lives that are building us up and lifting us higher and the people that we are building up and lifting higher. And there is no room inside of that circle for anything other than greatness, positivity, empathy, vulnerability, self-awareness, all the things we talked about. So when Andrew says his circle of success, that's what he means by that. And I would venture to guess if I asked you, and I guess I am asking you prior to the intervention did you even have a circle of success or what you thought was a circle of success or were there just all kinds of people in there that shouldn't have been? And like, what did it look like for you? It was, it was dark. Did it was, you know it was, it was dark though? Um, I think I, I did because, you know, it, looking back into my apartment 
you know, with the, the blinds were closed. It was dark. You know, I, I didn't want to associate with people. I, I, I was cutting people out of my life and the people that were in my life were not good people. You know, it just plain and simple, not and so- good people. Sometimes I hear people say this, Andrew, and I want you to help me unpack this so that we can get people to understand that some people will say, well, I've got to be friends with that person because we've been friends since the third grade or, well, that's my cousin, Jimmy John. And, you know, I got I got to have him as a friend, even though he's not good for me. He does blah, 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 blah. I mean, I think you and I can both agree that like the circle of success doesn't have any label like you. Just because you're a family member doesn't mean you get to be in the circle. Just because you're a cousin or a third grade friend or even a spouse, for that matter. If it's not working, it's not working. And, and don't try to force it. Um, and, and that's the best part. And I think for me, my tolerance and threshold for pain or people who don't make me better is, is so small that I have no problem and it's not, it's not in a bad way, but it's just putting up boundaries, disassociating and focusing on the people who make me better, spending my time with yeah. those people. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a conversation that you have to say, you're, you're no longer in my circle. I have to disassociate. Yeah. With you. You're not sending dirty letters. You're not sending notes and be like, Hey Jay, um, <laughs> Hey man, we're no longer hanging out. I have cut you. I mean, you're not sending those type of letters, are you? No. Okay. So it's not, that's unnecessary. I, I agree with you. I always, I always say the same thing. It's like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to make a big deal about this, but you've got to constantly be auditing your circle to make sure that the people in it have your best interests at heart. And I, I like to use this as an analogy. Be very aware of who claps when you win. So when you're winning in life, look around and make sure that the people that are supposed to be clapping are clapping. And if they're not, that's a tell that they're probably not part of your circle and that you probably need to do some auditing. Yeah. And I would even say if they're in the front row, not clapping, make sure you put the people who are clapping in the front row. Those are the people who are in the circle and, you know, a lot of times it's not family and, you know, some circles might include one or two people, but as you tell, tell us, it's all about the quality. Yeah. And uh, we're the average of the five people we surround ourselves with the most. I told a buddy of mine this the other day, he was having this, I was having this conversation with him. He was struggling with a little bit of like, you know, so-and-so did this and so-and-so did that. And I said, here, let me give you some advice. And I said, when you're dealing with your circle of success, you need to ruthlessly audit and ruthlessly delete and mindfully make additions. So when you're making an addition to your circle, make sure you're really mindful about it. Be very deliberate on why you're adding someone to your circle of success. And when you're auditing, you need to audit ruthlessly. If that person is not, doesn't have your best interest at heart, it doesn't matter what their label is, don't allow them to have influence over your life. Because if you do, the outcome will be all, it will always be negative. You will never get a positive outcome from someone who has a negative impact on your life. And I would say to this, Jay, what to kind of keep going on that. Um, for me, daily journaling, for me to write things down yeah. every day as a, as a way for me to self audit and, and take everything that's in my head to put it on paper. It not only loses power, but I see, you know, tangibly, you know, who are those people I want to associate and, you know, what happens every day that, you know, I can see, okay, this person makes me better. And I have to write that down day after day 
to understand it and see it better for, for you, me. You get clarity. It gives you clarity. Yeah. Anytime you write anything down, you get clarity around it. It makes it so much more hyper aware. And so I suggest everybody do that. I mean, you, I, I journal about pretty much anything and everything in my life. Um, and so if you're someone out there who's struggling with what do you mean? Like, how do I audit my circle or how do I, how do I know if so-and-so has my best interest at heart? Like start to write about it, start to write about your feelings about those people Like, write down who you believe is in your circle. And then I even put a chapter in my book called circle of success. And in the back, I have an auditing system. Like it's a, it's just simple plus minus does this person. So I'd write your name down and I would say, does Andrew move me closer to the person I want to be? plus or minus if it's a plus then you're in if it's a minus then you're out and it's that simple it does not need to be any more complex or any more um you know any more crazy than that it's really really that simple yeah and i think um it's important to note how you teach us to break things down into four buckets and um you know the relationships spirituality health and fitness and work yep and for, for me, when you taught us that and how you teach us that, um, when I do my weekly RPI, which for your audience is reflection, preparation, and intention, which I do every Sunday night to reflect on the previous week, to acknowledge and celebrate all the wins in those four buckets of my life, and then for uh, preparation to prepare for the week ahead and write down all the things I'm going to do and then setting that intention for the week. That is, you know, our Northern star to make sure that is our, our concrete foundation of everything that we do throughout the week. But those four buckets, I think it's important for the audience to understand, you know, everything in our life can be broken down into those four buckets. And when I do my journaling and writing, that's how I kind of see the difference in of those buckets and see how full is each of those buckets. If one bucket is not as full, it's most likely it's going to bring the other buckets down um, and to, to just see it and to help manage it week after week um, has been huge for my life. Absolutely. Now, since you've started implementing that RPI, I mean, have you noticed a you know substantial change in like how you're attacking the week? <laughs> Absolutely. A couple of weeks ago, I was, um, it was Sunday night. And I had set a goal January 1st that I wanted to teach four yoga classes a week at two different studios. And as I was celebrating, you know, the reflection part of the week, I noticed I had taught like five classes at three different studios. And I didn't know that until I wrote it down. And it was a huge goal that I achieved. Um, and I didn't realize it until I wrote it down in my RPI. And it was like, holy shit, this is, this, this is a celebration. This is what it's all about. And, you know, to, to set that goal and to manifest and write about it and to have the intention of achieving it and then to achieve it and to celebrate it. That's so yes, is the answer. Well, and this is one of the reasons we do the RPI and I'm glad you brought this up is because if you, if you weren't doing the RPI on Sundays, you could have easily glossed over this success and this win and it would have, it would have just almost, you, you wouldn't have gave it the power that it deserves. Yeah. You know and, I mean? the, and given we, you know, we get what we give power to yeah. as you always talk about. And by doing those things along with taking massive action every day, 
giving energy to all the good things in our life and celebrating and focusing on those versus the things that, you know, we perceive we don't have. And it's just a change in mindset. hundred percent, hundred percent, man, dude, could not be more proud of you. What would you say? What would you say to anyone out there who is, and listen, I know this, this question's probably been asked a million times, like, but what would you say to someone who is just struggling with, anything doesn't have to be full-blown like drug and alcohol abuse maybe they're just having a you know a cocktail or two but they feel out of sorts they feel like their life is off the rails like what what's the suggestion that you would give them um ask for help from who though because i think that's i think they hear that probably but then like well who can i ask because if i ask if i ask betty then she's gonna judge me and then she's gonna know that i'm struggling you know I think for me, I would ask somebody who, um, who is, has what I want, like a, a person who's successful in life, who's doing the things that I want to do, who's, you know, a positive, uh, role model leading by example, somebody who I look up to, I would reach out to that person and ask, you know, how can I get what they have? I want what you have. Can you help me get there? Um, you know, talking to, um, loved ones and people who are in your circle of success to, to be vulnerable and ask them for their help and what they see, how they see you versus how we see ourselves is a big difference sometimes. And just having vulnerable, deep conversations with people who we're close with, um, I think is a great first step. And just kind of getting out of ourself because what happens is people start to isolate it's, it's, you know, just one day, a bad day. And then, you know, they, they, they don't reach out and they're kind of disconnecting from people and they start isolating more and more. And then, you know, it's, it's not pretty if people don't reach out and connect and, um, you know, there's so much help. What I've realized that there's so many people that want to help that can help that are out there. And it's just a, it's just a matter of, you know, us putting ourselves out there and being vulnerable and asking for it. Yeah. And the only thing I would add to that is lose. If you, the best advice I would give you is lose your fear of judgment. And and I'll I'll leave you with this on this. I've never in my life been judged by someone who was doing more than I was. Meaning successful people, people that are in a true position of wanting and, and having the ability to help you won't judge you. You'll only be judged by those who have like some kind of inferiority complex, those that feel inferior in their own lives and their only way to feel power is through judgment. So if you're judged by someone, just know that that person is not meant to be in your life, not meant to be close to you and let it go. And I go back to, you know, the Theodore Roosevelt man in the arena quote, which I know you love just as much as I do, but getting dirty, getting in the arena, getting our ass kicked, being vulnerable, failing, getting up, failing again, looking bad, failing, failing, failing. But as long as there's other people in the arena who are getting their ass kicked with you, that's what this life is all about. And that's what I love about every time I talk to you you know, we've all gotten our ass kicked some different levels and different extremes, but it doesn't matter. We're all in this thing together. And if people judge, then that's not people. Those are people we don't want around. 
100% agree. 100%. Dude, before we go, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about your yoga, like what you're doing at Yoga 6. Like, just give me the scoop on everything that's going on. Let me tell you a quick story. So I am not a yogi by, by trade, like super inflexible hips. And so, as you know, I, I got to go up to um, Whistler, Whistler, British Columbia, in a room full of 100 people. And I would say out of the 100 ambassadors, probably 70 to, to 80% were proficient, if not high level at yoga. And so I'm in there, I'm stiff. I don't even know what warrior 17 is. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know anything. I mean, I can barely, I can't, oh, I shouldn't even say barely. I can't even sit Indian style. That's how tight my hips are. Um, and so, I mean, I'm in there and I'm like, Hey man, I'm just going to be vulnerable. Like I'm going to do whatever she tells me to do. I'm going to get stuck in positions that I probably have no business being in. Um, but what would you say to someone that wants to try yoga? That is sort of like me, like, you know, "Ah, you know what? I'm probably not that flexible. Like, what would you say to like push that person in there? Because I'll tell you what, after a couple of days of doing yoga, like I was like, this is fun, man. Like I'm having a good time. Like, I like not being good at stuff. And so it was really refreshing. I think it's okay too to, to suck at stuff. And I didn't feel embarrassed. Like I felt nobody judged me. Like people were so nice. They're like, Hey man, that was a really good job. And I'm like, you're super kind with that was awful, you know? <laughs> but yeah. So what would you say to that? I mean, is, I think- is, is that the yoga community as a whole? I mean, like very loving, non-judgmental, and, and whatever, like what's the experience? It, it should be. That's what yoga, the whole concept is built upon. You know, Baron Baptiste, he's a global yoga ambassador for Lululemon. And he says, how do we go from human beings doing yoga to humans being yoga? Yeah. I just saw a picture of him. He's doing some big immersion thing for the Lululemon crew, like up in in Whistler as we speak. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, And it's a lifestyle. It's so much more than a yoga pose. You know, there's... There's so much more that goes into it. But to answer your question, I would say show up. Yeah. Show, show up and suit up. The toughest part, hands down, the toughest part about yoga is showing up on your yoga mat. Dude, I kept looking around thinking, this is so cool. And I sucked at it. Showing up, brother. Yeah. Like, I was so happy to be there. And, like, and I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I, there was some stuff I'm like, she was like, if you feel comfortable doing this, try it. If not, just do this. And I'm like, I better stay right here. You know what I mean? Like I better stay right where I'm at. And people were doing, I mean, just really amazing things with their body. And it wasn't intimidating at all. It was like, it was actually cool. Like I was looking around the room thinking that this is so awesome. So my message to people would be like, you don't have to be the best at everything. Like I want to be the worst. That just means I can improve. I can get better. Like you know, and it just felt so good to be in a room full of people that were just kicking ass at something. And I wasn't one of them. And I think for me, what I take pride in is every student who walks into my class, I introduce myself, I connect before the class even starts and I can get kind of a deeper dive on where they're at in their journey. And we're all in this together. No, there's not better or worse. We're all in it together. And I think when people come to my classes, they see the vulnerability that I show, which I think helps them be more vulnerable and kind of buy into what we're doing. And, you know, everybody's at a different level physically, 
but we can all, there's, there's something about the collective energy in a yoga class. Um, and I had one this morning at 6am and it was just people who showed up and suit up, suited up, who were doing their best. We're all in this together. And when everybody puts themselves out there, the, the, the frequency of the vibration in the room is unbelievable. And I get goosebumps just thinking about it because that's why I do what I do. I help others. I think I help others um, see in themselves what, you know, they might not see like you in your clients Yeah. and to see the journey when people show up for the first time into where they're at now. I got a couple of guys in my Wednesday 430 class that, um, you know, they didn't really, they were kind of skeptical at first and they're buying in and you can see the shift, the light that comes on in their eyes. That's why I do what I do. But showing up and suiting up is the toughest part about yoga. And then once we get in that room together, there's, there's some magic that happens that it's hard to explain, but that's what, what gets people to come back because we're all in this together in that arena, getting yeah. our ass kicked. I, lo- I loved it, man. I can't wait to do it again. I got stuck in a South American chaturanga for like 15 <laughs> minutes and then come to find out that's not even a thing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I loved it, dude. Like, I've literally been like going over like poses in my mind. I don't even know what they're called, but I'm like, I really love that one. Like, that was cool to, you know, work on. And even as an athlete, like someone who's like more of a high intensity interval, like pick things up and put them down. Like I found like strength in these poses, you know what I mean? Like it just, it was so, it was so cool, man. Just such an unbelievable opportunity. And I think, um, you know, if you listen to guys like Deepak Chopra, who are just, you know, they're gurus, Yeah. you know, we store on a cellular level, our whole life story, you know, yeah. it, it, it's, we, we wear our life story. And so by getting into yoga, we undo, we release we let go of the shit that holds us back. We uh, open up our heart and our chest in a pose that lets us be vulnerable and tears down the walls of, you know, the, per- how we perceive shit that's not healthy, the things that hold us back. And it's that shift and we get into the body and let go of all that to make room for all the good stuff. That's what it's all about. And, you know, just, you know, the breath, just focusing on the, on the breath and what that does to your body and your psyche spiritually and emotionally. Um, there's just so many benefits. And, you know, like I said, I rebuilt my life from the yoga mat up and I'm just, and that's why I'm doing what I do now. I love it. Hey man, they gave us yoga. So we got, you know, at the summit, they gave us yoga mats. And so like, I'm cruising on the plane. I got my yoga mat strapped to my backpack. Some ladies like, Oh, you must be a yogi. I said, you bet I am. <laughs> you bet I am, baby. I, I, don't, I, did two, I, don't even... I did two classes in seven years, but you bet your ass I'm a yogi. You know what? And the best part is I don't even know what a yogi is. I don't but... either, but I just said yes. <laughs> and for me, if you ask my opinion, what, what's the definition of a yogi? It's a spiritual seeker that that wants to that wants to make a difference and do more and follow their purpose. And that's what you're, that's what you're doing. So I would say we're both yogis. She was right. She knew what she was talking about. Absolutely. And so, you know, trying new things and and putting yourself out there. um, It's just, and getting more men involved in the yoga space, you know, that's, it's really important for, for me and my work 
to, to do that. And then I'm also helping a lot of kids. Yeah. I started uh, boys, uh, teens and tweens yoga program last May. Um, you know, anywhere from eight years old to 15 years old and to get them to start doing yoga and to see the lights come on in these kids who are really skeptical at first. And I share my story of, you know, my success when I was their age playing sports and it helps get that street cred. But then to hear the, the parents of these kids after we start this program, to see their behavior at home, to see them just breathe when, when life gets tough, just, to know that they have a tool of breath to inhale for four seconds and to exhale for four seconds, whether they're on the baseball field in the classroom, they have a tool to help them get through their stuff that I never had. I never had as a kid. And that's why I love helping those kids because, um, it's so rewarding. Oh, I would have loved it, man. I would have loved to have this tool, um, as a child, you know what I mean? Like the, the, just the all the different elements that we that we're talking about today. I mean, I would just love to have had them at my disposal as a youngster. Would have been a game changer. I mean, would have been yeah. an absolute game changer. So, man, the purpose of this podcast, Andrew, is to disrupt, inspire, and transform. And I think we've done that today. I think we've disrupted people's thought processes, um, probably around addiction, probably around yoga, probably around two dudes being able to get on the phone and talk about vulnerability and empathy and self-awareness i hope that we've inspired somebody today and through that inspiration i hope we've transformed their way of thinking just to a different and to a higher level and that i i I firmly believe we have and i just want to thank you brother for for doing this with me for being a part of the show well i'm gonna it's important that i say this and it's important the audience here here we go i didn't tell him to say this i don't even know what this he's gonna say go ahead my man um what you're doing um what you're doing every day and the work that you're putting in and the people's lives that you're touching. Um, I don't, it, it's hard for people to see all the things that you do and all the people that you help, but you are, you're, you have what I want. And, you know, I couldn't ask for a better mentor, coach, friend to be on this journey with me and to help kind of lead me on this journey and to help make a difference. And you're living into your purpose you're sharing your truth and it's so inspiring. And I just want people to understand how many people you touch by everything you do. And I love you for it. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Dude, I appreciate that immensely. And I I thank you for, for that acknowledgement. And that means the absolute world to me, you know, I love you too. And man, let's do it again. Let's, um, I think we've got a lot more to talk about a lot more to, um, to share with the folks but until next time guys i appreciate you listening um hit andrew up if you know andrew reach out to him give him a high five three years of sobriety is a kick-ass accomplishment so big ups for that and he's just an awesome dude so we love you and we'll talk to you super soon all right guys we'll see you later bye